Well, if you can't, if you didn't notice already, we're talking about prayer today. <laughs> Some of you have been there. I think all of us have been there at one time or another. Um, when we've been asked to pray maybe publicly or uh, when we first were learning what it, you know about prayer or anything in general. Um, but first, I want to say something first. I heard the fire department go by and I was like, oh, and it just hit me from it because I was like, of course they're going by. They thought there was a fire here because the band was on fire. It was like worship. Awesome. So I was like, you guys need to come on in here. Enjoy. That was, oh, that's the time I wish we had just doors and we could just be outside, you know, and just everybody could worship the Lord out in the, out in the air and everything else. So, Lord, hey, I just, um, I, we're talking about love coming down. And, uh, and you know, we, we, I look at that clip, I, I, it, just in prayer in general, and as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're, as we're looking at Jesus and what he's been saying in his word about prayer, uh, about that, um, you know, the first part of what we looked at last week was just that inner personal uh, piety, they used to say back in the day. Um, but just that inner personal relationship that we have with Jesus, that we have through Jesus, through the love that came down with the Father, that we were created to have since the beginning of time. Um, to not worship the creation, but worship the creator. To not worship the provisions, but worship the provider. And this is what Jesus came down to show us, to lead us into, and no other, no other faith talks about this, because no other faith has this, that the love came down to meet us where we were at, and where we are at, and where you're at today, and to take us through and show us the Father that comes to us first and that loves us so much. Um, and what's cool is we, you know, we looked at the fact that you could, you could pray privately in a crowded room. It has nothing to do with where, you know, being in a, in a solitude or hermit spot. It has everything to do with your heart as you're talking to the Lord of hosts. Uh, and we don't need to have that situation necessarily where we're so Lord every day, day by day. <laughs> you know, that could be, be tough. Um, and so we're looking at this and we, we just broke it into two parts because I believe prayer is super important. Because... Um, it's just one of those things that the Lord, he, he literally teaches us how to pray. And so I really wanted to just look at this uh, twice and not just once and gloss over it. And so we, it's all broken down, I believe, what Jesus has sums up with the Pharisees as he's summing up from the Old Testament of which God has come to us since the beginning of time is just those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love others as yourself. And he says, the other one is just like it. It's not, there's no tier, there's no uh, progression or hierarchy of it. It's love God and love, love others, right? And they're both the same. And so, very much so, when he's, when he's teaching us about prayer, we have to, we have to filter this through. And really, the truth is, when we live life, we filter this through in our life. If, if, if we approach life with loving God with all that we are, and loving others as we self, that's enough. We could literally walk away and know that we're guilty of no man's blood, as Paul said. We can be the Christians, the disciples that God has called us to be, as we follow him, as he's come down and shared, God loves us and we love others. It's that simple. And so we looked last week again with the summation of loving God, connecting with him in that prayer and in that understanding. And now we're going to look at that second part of loving each other. Of just what does that mean and how it links to prayer. 
Because I believe it's super important. And there's a lot of cool stuff here, I think, in history-wise that we don't always get. Because again, you're not 2,000-year-old Jewish people um, or Greek people or Roman people or people of that day. So before we get into this, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray. Um, But this is what we want to do as a church. We're constantly about connecting with God and connecting with others so that we can grow together in faith and serve Jesus. And I'm so proud of what I've seen with you guys as you've been doing this, as you're reaching out. And and this is just, I think, an extension of our prayer life. And so, let's pray. And before I do that, I just want to acknowledge again Father's Day. I really appreciate... Not just dads, because some of you are some of you are dads, some of you are older dads and younger dads, some of you are dads in waiting. <laughs> um, but there's also just the man, the men of influence. Before I was a biological father, I had a lot of kids too. The people I would pour into, younger kids, younger even siblings, my my cousins, and different things that I would pour into, just sharing Jesus with them and helping them with their struggles. That's what we mean by man of influence. And I just want to acknowledge you guys today, because I know some out there. Uh, I'm thinking of Roland over here, uh, who I've known has been helping with uh, children's ministry ever since he could talk. You know, as he was not much older than the kids he was helping, but he's always been in there doing stuff, and he is a man of influence. And I just appreciate you guys and what you're doing. We want to acknowledge you today. And we've got awesome gifts. Oh my gosh, have you seen them yet? No? They're amazing. So do not leave without getting one of those gifts because we've partnered with, uh, with a cool place in town and they've got some great stuff for us. So, All right, let's stand and we're going to go ahead and pray and read God's word, all right? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for... I, I, first of all, I'm just excited. I'm excited because you are the God that comes down to us. You're the God that draws near to us. You're the God that moves first. You, you don't expect us to move first. You move first. And while we still are away from you, far off, you're looking, you're moving, you're doing whatever it takes to bring us close to you. God, you, you are love. We can love because you first loved us. Anything that we have, all the gifts that are good and perfect that we share with each other come from you and we thank you for that. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, as we look at your word today, it wouldn't be just something we just look at and say, that's nice, that's cool, great. Now let's go have a barbecue. Nothing wrong with barbecues, we love them. But, Lord, we want to have our day, our week, our life affected by your word. That we wouldn't just look at your word, but your word would look at us. And we would come to your word knowing that you're going to work it through in our life with others as you've not only called us to connect and love you, but to connect and love others and serve them as you served us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, goes like this. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything 
will reward you. Okay, be seated, please. A little context here. Um, as, as you know, the, the Jews were very much about uh, following God, and the Pharisees had been going strong for hundreds of years with the Sadducees, and they were all about just doing what, what God had called them to do, almost to a fault. They, they, they became so legalistic. But one of the things that the Jews would do was pray, very much so, and they would pray a prayer, the great Shammai, which is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Um, and, and they would pray this in the sunrise and sunset. And they would pray typically twice a day. Now, there was a lot of common prayers at that time besides the Shammai as well. So they would pray this prayer, but then they would also pray other prayers, uh, common prayers, that, that basically the church, if, the, I don't know if, if you've seen this before, the church for thousands of years, has a, we have a book of common prayers, pray, prayers that have been written and prayed throughout the centuries and, and millennia. And the Jews were the same way. They had, they had a, a common prayer thing that they would do besides the great Shammai. And this was called the Kaddish. One of the oldest prayers that was ever recorded in Jewish history was the Kaddish. And, and, and basically Jesus probably knew this Kaddish. In fact, this is exactly what he is referencing, which is really interesting. Um, the Kaddish went something like this. It said, heightened and hallow, hallowed be his great name. Sound familiar? In the world he created according to his will. And may he establish his kingdom in your life and in your days and in the life of the house of Israel very soon in the coming season. Blessed, praised, and glorified, raised, lifted up and revered, exalted, and lauded be the name of him who is holy. Blessed is he. Although he is high above all blessings, hymns, praise, and solace uttered in this world, may our prayers and the supplications of all Israel be accepted by our Father who is in heaven. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and all Israel. May he who makes peace in the heights make peace for us and all Israel. By the way, this is just a little part of the Kaddish that they would have prayed. But do you notice something going on in there? What Jesus takes and he makes into what we call now as the Lord's Prayer very much is taken from the Kaddish. What they had already memorized. Because they would have had this memorized. A lot of the Jews out there knew what he was saying. He's like, wait a minute. That's the Kaddish. But he's changed it. What, what is he doing? <laughs> it's interesting. But, but this is something that I, I want to I talk about because Jesus loves to take what is familiar and he flips it. Have you noticed that about following the Lord? God loves to do this. Uh, what, what we say, if you're taking notes, this is the time to crank the blank here. It says this, when it comes to prayer, we need to let Jesus reverse our understanding. Sometimes we have this familiar thing or what we understand and, and, and it becomes something that's completely flipped around and changed around and, and what we get is what psychologists call cognitive dissonance where we just stand there and go, what's going on? What's happening? It's like you're just kind of going in life and all of a sudden, boom, something flips and you're like, something's not right. Something's not, what's happening? And this is exactly what Jesus is doing with them. He takes what is familiar, what they've said over and over and over and over again. Uh, we used to pray this prayer when I was a kid at the dinner table. And it was, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let this food to us be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. We say that all the time. You know, I said that for years, had it memorized. My, my, my grandpa and my grandma, who were 100% Swedish, used to say it in Swedish. And I wish I could remember it. I need to have that written down, okay, before you leave, all right, Susanna? Because I want to be able to say it in Swedish. And he would say, I don't know how he did you know, but it was Swedish. It was great. I wanted to put a little hat on him and make him cooked, you know? No, <laughs> the Swedish chef, right? Sorry, I totally brutalized your language, and I probably said something naughty, and I apologize. But, um... But, you know, it was great. And I just remember, I would go over and they would pray this prayer. And I just remember praying this prayer for, for years. And I remember one time I sat there and went, oh, that's what we're saying. 
You know what I mean? Like, oh, come Lord Jesus, what does that mean? And I started to analyze it, and I never really analyzed it. It was just familiar. And some of you are with me, right? I, I mean, you just do this thing, and it's familiar, and you just do it, and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus is taking what's familiar and flipping it. And saying, wait, look what I truly mean. What, what this is really saying. Why did Jesus do this? Because he loves to reverse our understanding. See, prayer is common to everyone. For anthropologically, you can look at almost at every culture since the beginning of time, and they've prayed. They've prayed. Jesus knows this, and he addresses us. He flips the familiar and reverses our understanding to get it back on track. That's why love came down. To get us back on track. I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and I've prayed and God has reversed something in my life or reversed something I was thinking or understanding. By the way, theologically, because I want us to be a very theologically correct church, the idea of this reversal is if you're looking at this, the theological term for this is repentance. If you're looking for a good theology term, it's repentance. We let God change our thinking. We're going this way. God says, hey. And we go, oh. That's what I... Okay. And we turn back. That's the idea of repentance. Reversing our understanding. Prayer should always lead us to a place where we're flipped in our familiar and we repent and turn to what God shows us. Easier said than done though, right? I mean, who likes to get their comfortable, familiar thing flipped around? Anybody? You're a sadist. (laughs) Because the truth is, how many people were there as Jesus is re doing the Kaddish, which is the oldest prayer in Hebraic understanding, in Jewish understanding, he's redoing it. How many people were there going, what the heck is he doing? Right? Let's be honest. I mean, if I was there and I was an old... I mean, the the more I would get into it, I'd be like, hey, that's my prayer. He's changing it. That's my routine. He's changing it. That's my day. That's my career. Wait, that's the way I... You get it? He's changing it. Who does he think he is? Who does he... Well, he's God. He's God. He can do that. But how many people? I mean, I've been there. No, 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 Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I have a different way. That's what I like to tell him. Yeah, it doesn't work so well. See, the, 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 I, I love this. I heard this recently. It's from a, a writer. He says, the biggest difference between God and me is, is God never struggles or ever thinks that he's actually me. That's the biggest difference between God and me. Oh, by the way, God and you as well. God never struggles with the fact that he's not, you know, he's not me. We don't want to miss the truth that Jesus has for us. We want to be allowed, we want to allow him into our life to such an extent as he comes down that we say, you know what? What's familiar that needs to be flipped? What's the reversal of the repentance that I need? Now, secondly, if you're taking notes, when it comes to prayer, it should always lead us to reach out to others. See, this is the part that he was changing very much in the Kaddish. Because if you notice, I mean, when you look at the Kaddish, it's very much about me and, and, and Israel, my people, my peeps. It's about me and my peeps, which is just an extension of me, right? Like, it's just my relatives. But it's like me. It's the same thing. <laughs> They're okay. I know them. They're my blood, Right? So it wasn't much difference, but he takes that and he changes it around. And he does something very interesting. Look at the Lord's Prayer in this reach out understanding. Give us, not me. Give us, our, us, you get it? 
today, our, all of us, our daily bread, I'm not just asking for me, I'm asking for you. See, forgive us, our, you and me, our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. I'm not just asking for me, but for you. And lead us, not me, into temptation, but deliver us, not me, from the evil one. Do you get what he's doing? He's changing it around. It's almost like he means what he says when he says the two the greatest commandments. Love God, but love others. And even when you're praying, you're not just to pray to God, but you're also to pray in such a way that you're loving others. Because what's the point of prayer if it does not affect us and change us and reverse us and help us repent and move towards what God wants to do? Because he's not struggling with that. We do. We struggle with that. Jesus transforms this idea of our relationship with God from just me to us. And by the way, if you, if, you don't, if you don't get it by then, he sort of says this last thing, which blows us away and should make us quake in our boots. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. He just wants you to add that in as like, hey, if you're missing the us part of this, if you're missing the loving others part of this, let me add this in. Because that's what I really, really mean. And we need to be mindful of this great commandment. It's all about reaching out. It's loving others is not just love your brother and walk away. James talks about that. We can't just say, let me pray for you. God bless you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're bleeding to death? I'll pray for you. Oh, you haven't eaten in three days? I'll pray for you. No! I mean, how ridiculous would that be? What if our kids came to us and said, I'm hungry. Or they came to us with, with, with a gaping wound from outside as they were riding a bike or whatnot, and, and they fell down and they said, oh, help me. And we said, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I'm going to pray for you and walk away. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. Jesus takes the Kaddish, changes it around to the fact that we, in our prayer, not just loving and connecting with God, but growing together in our faith and serving Him. This is the concept of real prayer. So what now? I'm so glad you asked. This is why I believe Jesus includes fasting. I don't think he just goes, oh yeah, we have that fasting thing that we do as Jews. See, the crazy thing about Jewish uh, uh, tradition is, is, is there's one time in Yom Kippur, uh, it's the Day of Atonement that they were supposed to fast, but there's six other festivals where they don't fast, where they just eat and eat and eat. And I'm like, I like that ratio. Right? I like that ratio. That's a good ratio. Six days of feasting, one day of not. Okay, I'm down with that. Barbecue, then we don't touch something for a day. But, but you know, Jesus really points this out. And I don't think this is just an add-on or a throwaway or, oh, by the way, you should do this. No, it's, there's a point to why he puts this in here at the end of reaching out and loving others as ourselves. Now, to get this, I would really like to see what Jesus is alliter- alliterating to, what he's actually alluding to, the scripture-wise, and that's Isaiah 58. So if you have a Bible, turn to Isaiah 58, because I think this is exactly what Jesus was saying. This is exactly where Jesus was going. When he's rewriting the Kaddish, he's writing it back in the form of what it was meant to be, and that's through Isaiah 58. As we not only pray, but we also reach out. We not only connect with God and love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, but we also Love others as ourselves. So, Isaiah 58, best passage on fasting and prayer. I love this passage. 
And it starts out like this. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Basically, Isaiah, you need to go out there and you need to scream this with the top of your lungs. There, there, there's no being quiet here. Everybody needs to know this truth. Verse 2. Yet they act so pious, right? They come to the temple every day. He's talking about his people, the ones that love him with all their hearts, minds, and souls. And seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. See, they really, really, you know, seem to be loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul. They've got that part. What are they missing? Why is he shouting? Isaiah, we get it. We're doing that. Three, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. You see, they're screaming out to God, hey, by the way, we're fasting. We're doing this thing on the Day of Atonement. We're fasting. We're, we're, we're doing what you've called us to do. Why haven't you noticed? Let me say, when it comes to prayer and fasting, if you're ever at the point where you're saying, hey God, when I do this, now you do that. We've missed it. You, you, you get what I'm saying? This is how I twist God's arm. No. Nobody twists God's arm. If I just do this, then God has to listen to me. He has to line up and do what I say. Oh, no, he doesn't. Again, God's not struggling with who's God. (laughs) We do. The truth is, they're not seeking him but themselves. And this is always the danger. So please, when we approach prayer and fasting, and this is what we talked about last week and what we're still wanting to emphasize this week and what Isaiah 58 is saying. But he goes on to say, I will tell you why. I'm not listening to you, right? He says this. I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with anyone and with me. You see, they're, they're punching each other. That's the, the idea of the Hebrew here is they're striking each other with really hard fists. <laughs> because fasting is not about doing what God has called us to do. Fasting, is, it, it's about getting God to do what we want. No. And secondly, they're missing the opportunity that God has called us to do, which is reaching out and loving others, connecting with Him. And they're missing it. It's completely self-focused. And they're not allowing God to reverse their course or reach out. You humble yourself by going through the motions, verse 5, of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think this is what pleases the Lord? God won't take it. God says, no, that's not what it's about. That's not what we're calling. That's not what prayer and fasting is. Oh, I've got to pray. Why? Because I have to. No. If it's just that, you've missed it. So what is it about? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is the kind of prayer and fasting that I need, that I call for. God says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Do you get what he's saying? You see, it's not just about connecting and loving me with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. But it's about loving others as yourself. It's about reaching out. It's about stepping out. Prayer should never just be about you and him, and that's it, and I'm good. It should be about you and him, and now how does that work itself out as I serve Jesus in the least, the last, and the lost. Amen? To relieve and remove burdens from those around you. Relieving burdens, 
that's forgiveness. Oh, that's our daily bread. Oh. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. I hate that word relatives that they do. That's just a bad translation. The word is basar in, in, in the Hebrew, which is flesh. And, and, and flesh doesn't mean my own flesh and blood. We just translate it that way. But what it really means is all of mankind. And see, what the Jews were doing at that time is they were taking this word and saying relatives. And if you notice in the Kaddish, it was me and all of Israel, all my peeps, all my people, all the ones that are just like me that I don't really have to work for. And this is why the Jews so much said, who's my neighbor? You see? But God in his providence has said, Basar, which is flesh, all of mankind. This is who I've called you to go to. That's the other. That's the other. Love others. Love all of mankind. Not just the pretty ones. Not just the ones that smell good. <laughs> Not just the ones that are really nice. Notice the share, by the way. Don't give everything away. Share it. Yeah. A lot of people take this way too far and they go, I can't have anything. No, that's, that's not what it says. It says share. Share what you have. Our daily bread. Look at verse 8. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Then your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly help. You see this? There's three promises here of the thens. And it all has to do with when you not only say and love me with your heart, but you have this reflect in going out and loving others as you reach out. You've turned from the familiar. You've gone to the repentance. And now you're leading and reaching out then, then, I love this. So what does this mean for you and me? Because this is simple, I believe. We need to enter into prayer and fasting with an intention, not just to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, but to love others as ourselves. So I'm going to outline three things. This is my hope. I want people to come back next week, and I really want you to do this. If we can all do this, I think this would change your life, personally. And, and I don't mean that because we're twisting God's arm. I just mean that because we're trying to understand what God really means by loving Him with our life and loving others. Does that make sense? Just following Jesus. That's it. He came down to meet us for a reason. Amen? He didn't just come down to say, Hey, I see how you are all are in trouble. I'm going to go pray for you. See you later. No, <laughs> He came down to, to, to pick up the cross and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Will we follow? That's my prayer. That's what I've been praying. I'm sitting here and I'm going, Lord, I don't want to just teach it. I want people to get it. A big baby, sorry. All right, number one. This is simple. This is such simple stuff. Fast for one day and don't make it obvious. If you're taking notes, fast for one day and don't make it obvious. See, when we're entering into this prayer, the reason God puts this fast aspect is because he wants us to enter into something that's not just ourself. Again, reaching out to others. Talk to your doctor first, please. If you're a junior hire, junior hires, we used to do this. We'd do a 30-hour famine, and we'd tell junior hires, I don't want you fasting for one day because literally your body will eat itself, okay? Because you have so much, you're like a little furnace going on. You're just, ah! Little junior hires, they have to eat something within 24 hours. But most people can get away with it. Someone like me with my great physique, I can get away for it for at least these two years, okay? But my point is, this is, this is a one day, and don't make it obvious. Don't make it obvious. Again, the point of fasting is to decrease our focus on ourselves and increase the focus on God. Not to twist his arm. 
And there's nothing that will reverse your understanding like this. I had a buddy, in fact, a couple buddies, and this is usually my thing. If you come to me and you're struggling and you want to hear God's will, you're going to hear a simple thing that I always say. Have you fasted and prayed? Oh, no. Every time I have, I fast and pray, not to twist God's arm, but because when I'm starving, because I literally am, of course, I'm starving every four hours. That's just me, okay? <laughs> you know, I think it's funny. We like to say we're starving. You ever been to the third world? No, they're starving, okay? <laughs> you just haven't eaten for eight hours. Ooh, right? <laughs> but we do that. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm hungry and my stomach's eating itself up. And I, oh my gosh, I'm like, God, I just hear better. I, I just do. And, 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 I remember talking to my buddies and they had some hard things and every time I've said this, they come back and they go, I can't believe it. God reversed my understanding. I saw what I needed to do. I did it. Awesome. That's what it's about. Um, this is the most important part if we get this from Isaiah 58 and what God is saying and Jesus is saying as he came down to tell us. Pray in the plural. That's that, that's that next, if you're taking notes, pray, pray in the plural. Give us this day. See, the temptation is to think of, oh my goodness, it's about me and me and you and me and Lord, and we sit in our room and we just, no. Pray for those that, that don't have food today. You see? And, and, and maybe as you're praying, God's going to give you a chance to give food to that person. The food that you're possibly not eating as you share your meal. Do, do you get why Jesus is alliterating to this? Pray for those that don't have the living bread. See, one of the, the, the biggest detriments, one of the biggest problems with Christianity in the last century has been we focus so much on orthodoxy and theology and getting it right that we've missed the orthopraxy, which is actually living it out. And we've forgotten that in our study at the high towers of figuring out exactly how God wants us to be, we've forgotten how what, and what God wants us to do with those around us that are starving. And one of the biggest problems today is as we don't love others, God's forgotten. In John chapter 17, when you share that love, people will know I'm real. Jesus prays. Pray in the plural. Second, that's one. You can try that. My hope is you do one of these. That's one. Two, take the snap challenge for three days. And you might be asking, what's the snap challenge? It's not that. Okay? Supplemental, nutrition, supplemental nutritional assistance program. Okay? This is a government program where basically they're given this food, but they, they, the idea is you can live off of $4.50 a day. Some of you can't get your super grand lattes at Starbucks because they come in at about five fifty. You can get one of those if you can get it at four fifty, but that's all you get for the whole day. And you do this for three days. And there's no Costco, by the way. Some of you go to Costco just to eat. I do too. I love those little ladies. Those ladies are from God. I think they have little wings. <laughs> and they're just like, would you like a sample? Would I? I'll take 20. Because by the way, if you're living on $4.50 a day, you can't afford a $100 Costco membership. You just can't. Well, but this is the thing. If you're living on that, that's what the typical person on SNAP lives for or lives with. That's their typical income. After they get the assistance from the government, they have $4.50 a day. That's it. That's your common 
thing. So what are you doing? You're entering into, into these people, these others that God has us pray for, that God says, give us our daily bread, and you're entering into the majority of people who are poor, the last, the lost, and the least, and you're identifying with them. And see, maybe there's that single mom, and this is the second part, by the way, use public transportation, if you can, because that's what they're doing. And by the way, you can't go to Costco and bring back the 60 pounds of of toilet paper onto the bus, right? The obscene amount of toilet paper and paper towels and anything you buy at Costco is like this big. We bought our van just so we could shop at Costco. If you're on the public transportation, if you're on the bus, you can't do that. How are you going to carry that stuff home? By the way, the bus is a perfect spot to meet non-Christians and to meet people who are, are hurting and to just meet people who need help. And, and, and it's one thing praying for somebody, it's a whole other thing to actually meet that person. Amen? One of the saddest statistics I ever read was that 98% of Christians don't even know a homeless person. 98%. This was a poll that was done with about 40,000, 50,000 Christians. 2% actually knew the name of a homeless person. See, it's one thing to say, Lord, help the homeless. It's another thing to say, Lord, help Jerry. Help Sally. And see, that's the thing. As you're praying and as you're doing this, you're going to have a little more, maybe, ability to help. Because you're not taking that money and putting it in your own stomach. You've now taken that money and you, you, you said, I, w- I want to go to the least and the last and the lost. Amen? And, and pray in the plural. Pray for the guy that lost his job. And this is all he can live on. Pray for the widow. And maybe, some, maybe God will bring that widow into your life and you can start a relationship with that widow of helping them and not just praying for them but loving them as yourself. Last thing. Dine for a week like the developing world. If you guys do this really quick, if you just take your hands like this and you just kind of do this little thing, this is the exact amount right here of your fists, two fists, of what you are allowed to eat a day in rice or beans. That's what the developing world does. More than, uh, uh, more than two-thirds of the world eats like this. Two-thirds. Two-thirds of the world. Two, three billion people, I think. Something like that. Four billion. That's all they eat. They have a little bit of salt. Maybe a little bit of olive oil. A little bit of pepper. That's it. No cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon's expensive. You got, you, you got no cinnamon. But you got a little bit of rice. Oh, you get one chicken. One chicken a week. That's it for your whole family. And the rest, rice and beans. You know what you're going to find? When you do these things, you're going to be stinking hungry. <laughs> you, you're just going to be hungry. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to start to enter in and what Jesus intentionally set up so that we enter in to the idea of what it is to me. Oh, give us our daily bread. I get it. I get it. That's what they're eating or not eating. You see, I, I grew up in this world thinking I was poor. My mom, single mom. I mean, she worked her tail off, don't get me wrong, and we didn't have as much as the other people. But I, I grew up in this world thinking, man, I'm poor. <laughs> when I look at the statistics of the world around us, you know how fabulously wealthy we are? You got a car? Oh, 8% of the world has a car. Oh, you have two. Oh, that's like less than 1%. Oh, you have a cell phone? That's insane. Oh, you have clean water. What? You're so rich. You have indoor plumbing. 
You are as wealthy as they come. You, you, you get what we're doing when we pray. See, we don't just want to connect with the Lord who's come down, but we want to follow Him and grow in faith together and serve Jesus. And we can't do this when we're so focused on, on me. You, you, you get it? Please pick one. Please just pick one. My hope is that we're going to fill the back. Because what I'm hoping is that when you do this, let's say you don't eat for a day, take all the food that you would eat for a day, bring it here next Sunday. There's a little place about 10 blocks that way called the Blessing Center. We had an opportunity to, to serve there. We serve there the first Saturday of every month. You know why we do that? Because we give to God first. We just serve Him. And I love going there because it's such a great place. And, and, and yesterday my family, we were there just helping out. And you know what they were doing? They were giving away thousands of glasses. It was awesome. And this one guy walked in, and a man, he just looked like he had lived hard. He just looked like hard. You talk about, you talk about the last. This guy's in last, last place. He's just in last place. And, and he goes in there, and he's just commenting on how, I can see. I, I can see. How is sight? How, how does this happen in the most affluent society today? We have a little old man, a little war veteran, who can't even see. You see, we want you to bring your stuff here so that we can give it out. Our goal as a church is not to take that money and grow bigger. Our, our goal as a church is to give it out. Let me just say something. When you go into your pantry, don't give the junk. That's the temptation. King David in 2 Samuel said this. He said, how can I give a burnt offering that costs me nothing? How can I do that? How can I give a sacrifice and an offering that costs me nothing? Shame on me. I used to work with the kids and we would do a Memorial Day yard sale to raise money to go to Mexico and take care of the orphans and the widows. And I was shocked every time we'd open boxes that people would donate to the church. And there were half-eaten, rat, dirty undies in there. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'd pull out underwear that was still skid-marked. I'm going, are you kidding me? You want me to sell this? We have a tendency to do that, don't we? Oh, they'll eat the expired beans. Will you eat the expired beans? You see, we have an opportunity to not just pray and not just fast, but to love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul and love others as ourselves. Do you get it? I want to get it. Man, I'm a big baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> but do me a favor. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Don't miss this opportunity. I want to talk in grow groups. we got grow groups on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is the opportunity to do this together. This is the opportunity to truly do this together and to, and to enter into this with, with, with your family and tell your kids what it really means to not only love God with all your heart, but love others as yourself. This is the opportunity. My hope today, this, you got the look of people who this is your last meal. I hope you, you get this. I hope you get this. I want to get this. I want to have a story. And I want to fill this little foyer we got with a ton of food because we're just going to give it to the Blessing Center. And I just want to say, if, if, you, if you don't have that stuff in your pantry but you want to make a donation, we're just going to tell you we're just going to give it to the Blessing Center because they do so much with so little. And a lot of times we do so little with so much. Let's not do that anymore. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and, and say, here I am. 
I want to connect with you. I want to love you and I want to give to you. And I want you to enter into my life. But I also want to do that as I pray for our daily bread. And deliver us. And forgive us. God, you are so good. And you entered into this. You came down to show us. You, you, you said the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You knew what it was to, to suffer. You knew what it was to be hungry. And you didn't just do that to say, hey, I've done my chore. No, you did that because you gave away. You entered in and you knew our pain. Lord, may we as your disciples enter in. And as we pray, help others. And as we pray, love others. And as a church, we make it our point to serve you when you're hungry and when you were thirsty and you needed glasses. We love you and we thank you. And I just commit my brothers and my sisters to you now that they would do this. And in this, then you would make their righteousness shine like the noonday sun. And then you would hear them. And then you would lift them up. In Jesus' name, amen.